And week two's message is this. Faith comes by the will of God. So first week we had the word of God. This week we have the will of God. And if you want to follow along with my notes today, you can scan the QR code and you can check out all my Bible notes. They're all there. You can follow along. If that's the way that you listen better and you learn better, you can do that. Or you can go onto the Version Bible app, click on more, click on events, and it'll take your location and it will share all my notes for you today if you want that. All the scripture, all the points there for you. And it's there all week if you want to revisit it or think about something or ask questions about something. All the notes are there. But I want to start by asking this question. Have you ever done something you didn't want to do? Have you ever done something you didn't want to do? Maybe it's you go to work. Anyone? You have to go to work. You don't really want to go to work. You have to go to work. Maybe it's to eat healthy. Anyone still in that new year, new me? I'm still going to be healthy this year, all that sort of. There's some people. Maybe it's to exercise. Maybe it's to study that course. What course is it that you're thinking about? Maybe it's to give money. Maybe someone asked you for money and you gave it to them, but you didn't really want to. Or you went down that path. You followed that path. You went down that journey and you didn't really want to. Even though we don't want to, we did it anyway. And how often is that repeated in life? We don't really want to, but we end up doing it anyway. And there's so many reasons why we do it. Maybe it's out of obligation. Maybe we feel like we have to. We, ha- we, we just, it makes sense. Maybe it just seems right. Well, it seems right to eat healthy. It seems right to be eating the good things and the exercise and all. Or maybe it's guilt. Maybe you wanted to give someone money out of guilt. Maybe you had to go to an event because of guilt. Or maybe it's fear of rejection. Maybe you went down that path. Maybe you studied that course because of fear of rejection. You were worried about what people would say about you. And these are all true about why you're here today. Why are you in church this morning? Why did you get all ready this morning into your car, come here into a cinema to attend church? Was it out of obligation? I've been to church every Sunday of my life. When I tell my story, summarized it up, I was born on a Tuesday, went to church on a Sunday, and I've went to church ever since. That's how I tell my story really quickly. Because I grew up in church and I've loved church. But maybe you're a bit like that. And you just feel, you're, I have to. Or maybe if you're one of our dream teams, you just feel obliged. Because I'm helping, because I'm serving, I feel obliged. It seems right to go to church. It sounds like a good thing to do. Maybe someone's guilt tripped you to come into church today. Maybe that person beside you has been like, oh, come on. You said you would go and you said you would do that. So maybe you're guilt tripped today. Maybe it's a fear of rejection. Or maybe you just love God. Maybe you're here today and you just want to hear from God and love God. Whether it's out of obligation, it seems right, it's guilt, fear of rejection, or you love God, we want to know, we want you to know that you're welcome here. We don't care why you're here, but we are rejoicing because you are here. And we can't wait to connect with you after service. So we do things that we don't really want to do. And we all know this internal battle that goes on. I really want to do it. But what am I actually going to do? I don't really want to do it, but I'll end up doing it anyway. And there's this, always this internal battle. And you've probably seen it worked out. You've got the devil on this shoulder. You've got an angel on this shoulder. And they're sort of trying to, they're trying to get your attention. What way are you going to go? And you know what? You have the freedom to do whatever you want. Did you know that? You have the freedom to do whatever you want within the law, of course. 
So I'm not telling you today what to do or how to live, because at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want. You have that freedom. You have free will. You live in a free country. You can do whatever you want. And as you do what you want, this becomes our will as we do them. But what is the definition of will? Our will is a deliberate desire or intention. So we see this going on. What's our want and what's our will? So our want, if we do it long enough, will become our will. So our want right now, I'm sure most of you are the same, you would be thinking about a McDonald's breakfast. We, most of us probably want that McDonald's breakfast and we would be thinking about it. But actually, what is our will? Our will is a deliberate decision that we made. At the start of the year, I deliberately said, I'm going to be healthy. So our will is, okay, I want to be healthy, but right now, I really want that McDonald's breakfast. So we know how that battle feels. It's like, oh, I really want that McDonald's breakfast. But my will says, actually, my plan is I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get fit so I can do X, Y, or Z. And that's just one example against our wants and our will. But if our want, okay, our will is like I'm going to be healthy. And the longer we do that, our wants will start to change towards our will. And, you know, sometimes our will goes against our natural desires. No one in their right mind chooses the carrot sticks over the chips at McDonald's. No one does that. Our natural desire is the chips, and it's a large chips at that. No one is going for the salad. No one is going for the carrot sticks. But if we want to be healthy, our will says, okay, I want to be healthy. So then you start getting the wraps instead of the double cheeseburgers. Because you, get, you eat the rabbit food because... Our will says, I want to eat healthy, and it goes against our natural desires. No one wants to put themselves through the pain of going to the gym, but we want to get fit and healthy. And there's example after example after example of how our will goes against our natural desires. I have a will to be generous, but who in the right mind wants to give away their hard-earned money? I earned that. The investments at the minute, the, the trajectory of everything, and Bitcoin's crashing and everything. I need to keep all this money to myself. That's my natural desire. How am I going to provide for my family and do this and house prices? And There's so many things. Our natural desire is to keep what we earned because times are tough. But sometimes our will says, actually, be generous. So it's, a nat- it's against our natural desires. It's what I want to do and what I should do. What I want to do right now is eat a McDonald's breakfast. But what I should do is eat healthy because I'm turning 30 I'm not as young as I used to be. My bones aren't, they're, cra- they're cracking as I move. And all these things, I didn't think that happened at 30. I was thinking more 45, 50, that started happening. Not at like 28, 29, 30. I'm already falling apart. But what I want to do is eat whatever I want. But what I should do is think about the future and how that outplays itself. But did you know that there is someone greater, someone who loves you, Someone who has a plan and a purpose for our lives, and his name is Jesus. We have all the will, uh, all the wants in our life. Hey, I want to be generous. I want a house. I want this. I want that. This is my will, my will to be generous, my will to be healthy, my will to be X, Y, and Z. But did you know that there's someone greater who has a plan and a purpose for our life? And his plan and purpose for our life is even more incredible than the plan and the purpose we have for our life. And when we accept Jesus into our life, faith leads to an inner civil war. Our battle goes on in our mind, just like our wills and our wants. 
actually, what about God's will? What about God's plan for our life? This inner battle that we face when we have faith, when we accept Jesus into our life, we see that there's a battle between my will and God's will. What's my will for my life and what's God's will for my life? And maybe you're not a Christ follower and you're like, well, I'm just after my will. I just want to go after my wants and everything that I want for life. But I want to challenge you today. We're about to jump into a story that we find in the Bible. And we see this outplayed. What is my will? What does life look like when you go after your own way? But what does it look like if we follow God's will? And the question I want to ask today is, how can we live out God's will over our wants? And maybe it's a question that you've been asking yourself as a Christ follower. How can I actually live out God's will? Maybe you've heard that phrase before, God's will, God's plan. What is it? So I want to answer this question, how can we live out God's will over our wants? And the story that we're going to look at today from the Bible is from a man called Jonah. And Jonah was known as the reluctant prophet. What is a prophet? A prophet is someone who gives a word on behalf of God. He's God's spokesperson, God's representative, but he was reluctant to do it. And we actually find the story of Jonah in the book of the Bible called Jonah. It's easy to find. So if you're looking for Jonah's story, it's actually found in the book of Jonah in the New Testament. So he was God's spokesperson. And we can actually see how his life was divided into five things. So we can see he ran, he repented, he was rescued, he returned, and he relied on God. So this is how we're going to break up Jonah's life. And this is how we're going to answer the question, how can I live God's will over my wants? So the first thing we're going to look at is Jonah ran. So we're going to look at Jonah 1. Uh, verses 1 to 3. And it says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah. So we looked at that last week, the word of God. So the word of God, God said to Jonah, he said this, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran from the Lord, and he headed to Tarshish, and went down to Joppa, where he found a boat to flee from the Lord. So we see this, okay, God has asked Jonah, he's got a word from God, and he said to Jonah, go to this city. So Jonah decided, nah, I'm going to go this way. So instead of going this way to Nineveh like God asked him to, he ran the other way. And what we don't see in this is we don't know Jonah's reasoning. Why did he run? Was he afraid? Was he a little bit nervous? Was he allergic to the dust in Nineveh? We don't know why Jonah ran from God. Was it fear? Was it uncertainty? He didn't have all the answers. We don't know why he ran. And maybe you're like that as well. We all know what it is to run from something. Maybe it's a request. Someone said, hey, would you do this? And you've just ran from it. Maybe someone's asked you for a relationship and you've ran the other way. Maybe you run when problems come your way. We all know what it is to run from something. Maybe you've used this phrase to get you out of a situation. I'll need to speak to my wife about it. It's a great line to use if you don't know what to say and you blame it on the wife. And that means you can just run away and leave the situation. Or maybe you've used this. I'll check some prices and get back to you. No one find rightly that you're not going to get back to them. Maybe if we use one of these phrases to run from someone. We run because we're scared and it feels easier to run. Maybe Jonah was afraid. Maybe he just didn't have all the answers. But why is it that you run? 
Is it pride? Is it fear? Is it uncertainty? Or is it just easier to run? God's asking you to do something a new way. Are you running because your wants and God's will aren't aligning? Maybe you've tried it for so long and actually I've tried to align to God's will, but actually what I want, I want. And I don't really want to try anymore. So you just keep running from God. Even though God has said, here, here's my plan for you. And you've known it and you've experienced it, but you run away because you want what you want. Or are you running because it's easier to do what you've always done? Hey God, I've got into this really good routine. So if you could just leave me alone and I could just get on with what I'm doing, then that would be great. Because we, we're all, we always go for what's most comfortable. Like it's natural as human beings to take the most easy route. And why not? We want life to be easy. So we were going to do what we've always done. And we want it to be easy. So that's why we run away. And maybe that's like life for you right now. Someone's asking you to do something and change what you've always done. Maybe you keep getting into relationships and they ask you to change this certain part and then you just run from it. Because actually, it takes more to deal with the situation, to deal with the hurt, to deal with the past, and it's easier to just run from it. It's more difficult to sort of work something out with a, in a relationship, with a job. Hey, do you want to take a promotion? Well, a promotion would mean doing things a little bit differently. I've got a new job or whatever. So it's just easier to run away from that opportunity. Maybe you're running away from something. Or as Christ followers, maybe God's asking you to shift some things. Maybe you're happy giving your tithe, your 10%. Okay, I'm giving God this portion of my money and I'm going to give it every month. But now he's asking me to go above and beyond. That doesn't fit into my five-year portfolio. That doesn't work in my plans to buy a house. So it's easier to just run away from the request and sort of when you see the envelope at the desk, you sort of just walk past it because you don't want to do something different. You just want to do things the way you've always done it. I want to encourage you today, don't run from God, run to God. God has his arms wide open to receive you. So if you're going to run, don't run from him. He has what's best for you. Don't run from God, but run to God. So we see that Jonah ran, and then we see that Jonah repented. So we see this, and we read this in Jonah 1, verse 12. It says, pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. So as we read, Jonah's asked to go this way, but he actually goes that way. So he gets on this boat, and as they're traveling on this boat, this mad storm comes. And the sailors and everyone on the boat can't calm the storm, doesn't know how to settle it, can't do anything about it. And Jonah knows in this moment that actually this is God reminding me that I'm running from him that I'm not doing the right thing in this moment. So he comes to this realization and says, guys, just pick me up and throw me off. It's a bit of a weird request. If someone comes up to you and says, here, just chuck me out and it'll be all grand. It's a bit of a weird request. But he says, I know it's my fault that this great storm's upon me. So they chuck them out and it's calm. But in this moment, he says, I know that it's my fault. I know. And that's how we say sorry. That's how we repent. We're, we're saying, it's my fault. I'm sorry. So Jonah gave himself up and said, hey guys, it's me, it's my fault. And he was able to repent. But what is it to repent? This definition of repent is this. It's a military term that if we look in the Greek, it actually means to turn around. 
It's a military term that if we're walking in one direction, it's to take 180 degrees the other way. It's to turn the complete other direction. So to repent means to turn away from the things that you are doing and change direction. Wouldn't life be so much easier if it came with Google Maps included? That you knew that if you were on the right path or not, am I in the right job? Am I in that right relationship? Am I going the right way? Wouldn't it be easier if the woman who talks to us on Google Maps would say, go this way, go that way, turn around at your, your convenience? Like imagine that we, in life, instead of repenting, we just heard Google say, now turn around and repent. Oh, great, I'll do it, no problem. Do you ever remember traveling without a sat-nav? Does anyone remember those days? I remember being young and going on holiday, and my dad did not like flying. My dad works for a, a company that builds airplanes, and he doesn't like flying, so I don't know if they're related. <laughs> Hopefully not, because I've fly, flown before. So we had to drive everywhere, but we didn't just drive. We lived in Belfast. We didn't just drive to somewhere in Northern Ireland or Ireland, no. We decided we would drive to France or Holland. So we did this a few times. And I remember going, my dad going on the AA route planner. Does anyone remember that? And you had to print off. Instead of Google telling you turn left, turn right, you had to print it off. Remember my mom in the front seat going, okay, 200 yards, turn left. Yep, keep going down two, two kilometers down the road. Yep, left, turn on the roundabout, right, turn on the roundabout. And then you're going through all these pages until we got to Holland. And there may or may have not have been some fights along the way. Ah, you should have told me earlier. You said 200. It was only 175. Oh, like imagine traveling like that now. We could not travel without sat-nav. But we all would wish that we could have Google Maps in our life to just say, hey, turn around. You're going the wrong direction. And do you know what? We can all get lost. I'm sure we've all got stories that we've got lost. And do you know what? It takes humility to admit that you're lost. No one likes to admit when they get lost. No one wants to turn up late to a party and tell them, uh, I took the wrong turn. Or I was confident and I'd been to your house before, but actually I got lost. Like it takes humility because most people probably make fun of you if you got lost. So it takes humility to admit that you're lost. And so often sometimes we know we're on the, right, the wrong path, but we just keep going anyway because it's easier to go on that path. It's more difficult to turn around and repent. But I want you to know today, when we are sorry, we need to stop. When we know that we're going the wrong way, when we know that we're not doing the right thing, just stop. Don't just keep going in that direction because it's easier. Stop and repent. Turn around and get back on the right path. Yes, it might not be, okay, I'll take a step. I'm now I'm on the right path. It might be a journey to get back on to the right path. But when we are sorry, we need to stop. Don't just keep going because it's easy or whatever but humble yourself, admit you're lost, and repent, turn around, and try and get back on the right track. So that's what Jonah did. He repented. So he ran and then he repented. And then we see that Jonah was rescued. And we read this in Jonah chapter 2, verse 6. It says, To the roots of the mountains I sank down. To the earth beneath me barred me in forever. They trapped me in. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. So in this moment, in Jonah chapter 2, what has happened is he's been thrown off the boat. So he's ran away. He's got thrown off the boat. And then this is Jonah's prayer. 
but he's praying it from the belly of a big fish. Yes, I did say from the belly of a big fish. And you're probably thinking, Christians are mental. Like, did he actually think that this fella, Jonah, is praying from inside the belly of a fish? Well, that's why we're talking about faith. There's parts of the Bible that we need faith to believe. But maybe you're thinking, belly of a fish? These are mental. So what I encourage you to do is read the book of Jonah throughout the week. It's not a long story. Just read the story of Jonah. And if you have any difficult questions about Jonah, come back next week because Pastor Jamie's back and he would love to answer all the difficult questions about Jonah that you have. So what was the big fish? How did he survive? Anything that you have, save it for next week because Pastor Jamie would love that. So we see this prayer that Jonah is praying and it's summarizing what God's done. He's brought his life up from the pit. Maybe you're here today and you can say, God's taken me from the pit. I've experienced that in my life, that God has rescued me from something. Maybe you're here today though and you're on rock bottom. Maybe life isn't going to plan. Maybe life has fallen apart. You don't have answers. You feel hopeless right now. I would love to take 30 seconds right now to pray for you. If you're in the room or if you're online, I would love to pray for you if you feel like you're on rock bottom. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the people in the room and people watching online, Lord, to feel like they're at rock bottom. Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would comfort them, that they would know your presence. Lord, that that hopelessness that they feel, Lord, can be turned into hope. Lord, that that pain that they have can turn into joy. Lord, through the presence of your Holy Spirit. So we pray right now, whether in the room or online, that the people that feel rock bottom, that are thinking right now that it's easier to just run away. It's easier to forget about it. It's easier if I just left. But Lord, we pray that they know in this moment that you have a plan and a purpose for their life. That just like Jonah prayed, that you can take them from the pit and take them out. That you can rescue them right now. And so in your name we pray. Amen. So if that's you, we would love to connect with you today, whether it's online or in the room. If you're rock bottom, we have a team that would love to chat to you. And we can buy you a Starbucks coffee if you're in the room. And we would just love to hear your story and help you out today. So please don't feel rock bottom, hopeless, lost, all by yourself. We want to partner with you. And we believe God is with you and has a plan for you. But there's this dynamic going on between being rescued and being redeemed. So Jonah was in the mess, so he had to be lifted out. He had to be rescued from that, or he could have been redeemed. The definition of redeemed is to save someone from error or evil. So Jonah went through this situation because he, that's what he wanted. That's the direction he chose. So God rescued him. He took him out of that place. But actually, God has saved us from a lot of those things. We didn't have to go through it. We could have went around it with God's plan. Because, yes, he can rescue us. He can take us from the pit. But he's also redeemed us. We can avoid it and go around it when we follow God's plan. God wants to get you out of the pit for a great purpose. He wants you out of the pit. He doesn't want you wallowing there, staying there, being comfortable. He wants to take you from the pit for a great purpose. He has a great purpose for your life. And maybe your pushback today is, I've messed up too many times. 
I've asked for forgiveness too many times. I've said sorry too many times. I've messed up. I don't know where to go anymore. This next point is going to really encourage you because we're going to look at Jonah returned. Jonah returns. What does that mean? So Jonah 3, verse 1 to 2 says this, Then the word of God came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I gave you. So this is chapter 3. But we're going to put a deja vu because this sort of seems very similar to Jonah chapter 1. Where it says the word of God came to Jonah and said, go. Where we're reading again, the word of God came a second time. And he said, go to the great city of Nineveh. So we're getting deja vu. It happened again. But why would God ask Jonah again? Why would he do that? The first time he asked, he ran away. So why would God ask Jonah to do it again? There's an American psychologist, Dr. Joyce Brother, says this. The best proof of love is trust. God loved Jonah. And I want you to know today that he loves you. That if you're feeling like that, oh, I've messed up. God wouldn't take me back. Why would God trust me again? God trusts you and has a plan for you because he loves you. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. God loves you. Yes, he loves the person beside you, and sometimes we're easy to deflect that, but God loves you. That's why he trusts you. This is the gospel. God gives us second chance after second chance after second chance. When we mess up, when we do it wrong, when we run away, when we just hate on God, when we blaspheme against God, when we run the opposite way, because he loves us, he sent his son to have a relationship with us. So chance after chance after chance, God can give you. So if you're here today feeling that, feel encouraged because God will give you a second chance today. God is a God of endless second chances. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. This word gospel just means good news. The good news is you can keep messing up. You can keep running away. But God's arms are still open wide. You don't need to run from God. You can run to God today. And this is the good news. This is the gospel. And there's some people in here today that need to return and some people that need to turn. Maybe you used to follow God. You were close to him. But then you just sort of got off on the wrong path and you've just, it's easier to just keep following that path. Maybe God's challenging you today to return to him. Jonah had this moment of turning back to God, and that offer is there for you. You can return to God today. Maybe you're far away from Him. Today is the day to take that humble step and say, God, I want to return to you today. Or maybe you're here today and you need to turn to God for the first time. Maybe you've tried before. Maybe you've tried your own way and it's not going where you wanted it. Maybe you had a plan for your life and it's not going the direction that you wanted it in. I want to challenge you and ask you why not turn to God? Why not try him? He's got a perfect plan for your life. So whether you need to return to God today or turn to God today, I want you to know that his arms are open wide to receive you today. And why not? Don't refrain, just return. Don't hold back. Don't wait. You don't have to wait to get all together. You don't have to wait until you're on the right track. Just return. And we know story after story of maybe when you're a parent, you're humanly, you're human parents, your parents on earth forgave you and give you chance after chance after chance. 
to return to them. And how much more that our Heavenly Father in Heaven would forgive us time and time and time again. When your child is going the opposite direction, not listening to you, you don't want them to just keep going in the same path. All you want them to do is return. You don't care about what they've done. You just love them enough that you want them to return to you. And that's what your Heavenly Father wants for you. Don't wait. You don't need to get it all together. You don't need to write an apology letter. Just return to Him. He is ready for you. And the last thing we see in Jonah's life is Jonah relied on God. So we read this in Jonah 3.3. 3. It said, Jonah obeyed the word of God and went to Nineveh. So he got the word and he ran, ended up in the belly of a big fish. He prayed, he repented. Then he returned to this moment. And then we see that he got this deja vu moment of returning. But then he relied on God. And in this moment, Jonah ultimately understood that God's will is better than his will. When he walked out God's plan for his life, it was like that light bulb moment of like, this is what I was made for. And he outlived everything that God asked him to do. He went to Nineveh to save the people and tell a message. And he did that. But he had to rely on God to do that. When he relied on his plan and his strength, he ran the other way, had to be rescued and had to return. But when he relied on God's plan, we see that his, God's will is better than his will. But what does that mean? What's the definition of rely? It's a verb and it means to depend on with full trust or confidence. It's another bit of deja vu because at the beginning we said to be faithful is loyal and steadfast over a long period of time. But then we said faithful is to have complete trust and confidence in God. So to rely on God is to be full of faith. How do we rely on God? We all know someone who isn't reliable. We're not surprised when that person turns up late or doesn't even turn up at all. We all know that person. Or we know that person who doesn't follow through with what they've said. We all know someone who isn't reliable. Whether it's in the workplace or it's that family member. Oh, they said they'll be at that party, but let's be honest, we know that they're not. Or that person that will pick you up at 10 a.m., but it's actually 10.15. And we know people that aren't reliable. But do you know someone who is reliable and will never let you down? As Christ followers, we know that his name is Jesus. He never lets us down. And the guarantee for you today is he will not let you down. Come on. We have so much to celebrate because never, ever, ever let us down. And we sang today, he's faithful. It's not just a one-time thing. And yes, maybe I, I like to think I'm reliable, but I let people down all the time. I let down people close to me. I let people down in the workplace, in my relationships with God. But God is the only person who will never let you down. So if you need someone to rely on today, his name is Jesus. And we can rely because God has taken care of the rest. Hey, would you love to know all the answers in life? Would you love to know why God is asking you to do a certain thing? Would you like to know all the details? Maybe you know someone and they say like, oh, we'll meet here at 10 a.m. And you're like, well, where are we going? What time? Who are you with? What are we doing? We all just love to know all the answers, but we can rely on God because he's taking care of the rest. All I need to do is rely on him, lean on him, because he will take care of the rest. 
And so often we try, I want all the answers. I want to try and do it myself. But when we rely on God, when we're full of faith, when we rely on him, he takes care of the rest. We don't need to worry. We don't need to fret. So as we close today, I want to answer this question. How can we live out God's will over our wants? So how can we do that? First thing we can do is seek out God's will through prayer. So we looked at God's word last week, but this week is how to seek out God's will through prayer. And prayer does three things. Firstly, it discerns. We discern what, what's God's will and what's my will. What do I want in this moment? What does God want in this moment? So as we pray, we are able to discern what God wants and what we want. That idea, is that my conscience? Is that a quote I heard earlier? Or is that God? And that builds into last week's message about the word of God and knowing God's word. Secondly, prayer directs. As we pray to God, God will direct us in a certain direction. I'm not going to tell you today, this is God's will for your life. Because I don't know the direction God has taken you in. But as you pray, you'll be able to discern God's voice, but he'll also be able to direct you in a certain way. Because like, I could tell you, oh, it sounds like you could go this way. You could have this job, this relationship. But if you pray to God and God directs you another way, as you discern his voice, God's way is better than our way. God's way is better than my advice. God's way is better than your career's counselor advice. God can direct you through prayer. And prayer develops. So prayer discerns, prayer directs, and prayer develops. It develops a trust and dependency on God. So often we want to be busy. We want to be doing our things. We want to be outworking our plan. But prayer develops a reliance, a trust, and a confidence in God, knowing that as we rely on him, he will take care of the rest. So we can seek out God's will through prayer. John Corcoran, Pastor Jamie and Sam's dad said this, praying first thing in the morning allows me to get God's perspective of the world before I get the world's perspective of the world. As we pray and as we discern and as God directs and as we develop this, this confidence in him, we will get God's perspective of our world. Our world will look completely different, but only when we rely on him. So we can walk out God's will through prayer, but we can also walk out God's will in trust. Sometimes we don't have all the answers. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes it is against better judgment that actually God is telling me to give away X amount of money. But actually, that's all my savings. It doesn't make sense. But if it's God's will, if God's asking you to do it, he's asking you to trust. And where there's no clarity, we trust in God's sovereignty. God is in control. He is sovereign. He is Lord above it all. In the Bible, he is named the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is above all. When there's no clarity, we just trust that God is good. When we don't know what direction to go, when we don't know how much to give, when we don't know what to do, we trust in God's sovereignty. And I love this next quote, understanding can wait, obedience cannot. We don't need to wait to get all the answers. We don't need to wait to understand. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, but if God is asking us, understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. Maybe as a Christ follower in the room, you know what this feels like. 
when God asks you to take that step, you don't have a five-year plan. You don't know where you're going to get the resources. It's going against some people's better judgment. But through God's will, through your prayers, through trusting in Him, you know obedience can't wait. Because God's asking you to do it. So to summarize today, this is our main point. For the will of God to be done in the world, the will of God must be done in my world. For God to do something in the world, He needs to do it in my world. He needs to do it in me, through me. Before He can do it in your family, before He can do it in your workplace, before He can do it in the world, He needs to do it in me. So what does that look like, having the will of God done in my world? Hey, commit to attending church. How's that God's will for my life? God wants you to be in community. Because as this church, we are endeavoring to always follow God's direction for our life. So if we're all going in the same direction together, then life is easier because life is better connected. Yes, you can go off and do your own thing. But if many people are going down the path of following God's will, it's easier for us to join in on that. So commit to attending church. It's a place where we can learn about the Word of God. We can learn about the power of prayer. We can learn about God's will. Learn to hear His voice. Learn to trust Him. Learn to obey Him. And this all happens in the context of church. Hey, join a group. Get connected with a few individuals that you can do life with. When it gets difficult, when it gets hard, when you don't have all the answers, how did Jonah end up in the belly of a fish? Mad questions like that. If you join a group, that is a safe space to ask questions. Join a group. We can help you, support you, encourage you. Maybe you run from things. Your group can help bring you back. Maybe you need to repent. Your, your group can help you, lead you into repentance. Hey, forgive that person. Say sorry. Turn around. Get back on the path. They can direct you through your group. Hey, be part of a dream team. Outwork God's will in your life. God has a plan for you. And it's never just to sit down and watch everyone else doing their thing. It's always active. So by joining a dream team, God might spark something in you and say, hey, I was made for this. I know that I was made for this. So you might actually discover God's will while you serve. Hey, it might not be for everyone to work in a church. Oh, if I start serving on production, well, then I might then start working for a church and then I'll become a pastor. That's not the only way. You might serve on production and know what it is to serve people without recognition because no one sees what they do. And then you're thinking, do you know what? I could serve in a charity because they don't get much recognition. You serve in the background. You might get a job that requires you doing all this work to hold the place together and you get no recognition. But you realize the only recognition that you need is that God gets the glory. You might serve on our welcome team, our Fulcher team, and you might think, oh, what's our steps for this? I can maybe do this. But if you're part of that dream team, maybe something, God sparks something in you. Hey, I love talking to new people. Hey, I love making people feel welcome. What journey could God take you on to make people feel welcome? Maybe it's something to do with refugees coming in. 
whether it's someone like just doing something homeless for the homeless, whether it's just welcoming new people into your workplace. Maybe you could end up in HR and just want to keep your workplace happy. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's our kids team. Maybe it's our band. What can God unlock in your life when you join a dream team? And get baptized. Maybe you think, it's a bit weird. Why is he throwing in baptism? We believe baptism to be an outward expression of an inward reality. So what the will of God that is working in my life, we want the world to see it. So all the things that God's been working in my life, all the things that God's been doing, we want to show the world. We want to show our family. We want to show our friends what God is doing in my life. So for God's will to be done in the world, it needs to be done in my world. So if you're a Christ follower and God is working in your world, hey, why not get baptized and tell the world? So on your Next Steps cards, you can fill it out today. I want to get baptized. Tell one of our Next Steps team, hey, I want to get baptized. Our baptism service is coming up Easter Sunday, 31st of March. And we would love for you to be a part of that. But imagine, imagine what life would look like if we put God's will above our own wants. Yes, it's going to be a journey. Yes, it's going to be tough. But it's a journey worth taking. And I'm going to read one more passage. And as I do that, I would love to invite you to stand. And as we stand, you will maybe know this. It's called the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. And you probably know it. But as we pray, I want to inspire you. What would it look like for God's will to be done? So he's teaching his disciples to pray. This then is how you should pray. Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We worship your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, in my life, in my family, in my workplace, in my relationships as it is in heaven. Imagine what your life would look like if his kingdom would come, that his will be done in your life, in your relationships, in your workplace as it is in heaven? What would your workplace look like? What would your life look like if you prayed this prayer? Your kingdom come. Your will be done in my world as it is in heaven.